We are on Ksubis Yerches Amabez 18b1 slash 18b2 in the article Gemara. We are beginning a new Mishnah. And the Mishnah continues on in its discussion of a Peshas or Hua Peshahitr. That the mouth that creates uh, a certain uh, stringency, something which is no longer allowed, is also, we are allowed to believe them all the way through to say that uh, they could qualify their statement to say that uh, it then ends up becoming allowed. Basically, if we are believing them on the first half of their statement to say that there's some issue here, there's some problem here, then we have to believe them all the way through. If the only way that we know of the idea is from them, from that person, so then we have to believe them all the way through. This is the concept of Pesha Asur wa Pesha Hitter, uh, and we'll have different Mishnahs that discuss different, very fascinating cases, which also add uh, a lot of important uh, yesodos, foundational ideas of different, uh, of different concepts that are found throughout uh, Shas, throughout Halacha. So just a review, in the last Mishnah, we had one, one form of a Pesha Asar, which is uh, when a litigant says, he initiates a conversation, let's say, and he says that, uh, you should know the field that I'm living on, I bought it from your father. If you stop right there, then he now has to bring proof that he actually brought it from his father. Sorry, he says that it belonged to your father. At that, If you stop right there, if it belonged to your father, so he just admitted that it's no longer his. He has to then bring proof. Witnesses, some form of a, a document, some form of proof that, it, that it's no longer his father's, that he actually bought it from him. So his second statement is, and I bought it from your father. Well, uh, we believe him because of the concept of Peshas or Peshahitr. Even though in general, if we have witnesses that said that it originally belonged to the father, so then uh, the litigant would then have to bring proof that he bought it from him. But here, because the only way we know about this is from him anyway, so then we're able to believe him throughout um, uh, throughout, and say that he, he uh, we believe him to say that he bought it from his father. So now comes a new case of the usage of Pesha Asur. This is not from a litigant, but it's from witnesses of a case. So we have witnesses in a case. What exactly is going on in the case? So a little bit of background. Uh, there's a concept of, a legal concept called a shtar, a written document that uh, you're allowed to use in court a written document uh, as proof that something happened, let's say uh, monetary, as proof that the monetary transaction occurred. Um, and that's allowed. Uh, you're allowed to have witnesses. You could have witnesses come to court and say that they witnessed uh, a certain event take place. Alternatively, you could have a star. You could have a written document which is signed by the witnesses. Now, interestingly enough, we're not going to discuss this at length, uh, but there there is a rule in the Torah that testimony cannot be given over uh, in a in a writing in writing form. They have to verbalize it. They have to come to court and testify orally. Um, but uh, they cannot write it down. And there's a big question, well, how could you have a document if they're not allowed to verbalize their testimony? How are they able to have a, uh, a document? Um, so uh, a document, a shtar, which, is, which works, which is uh, halakhically valid. Uh, so that is, that is a big question. Uh, there are many, there's a few different answers that are given to this question, but we don't, we're not going to get into that uh, particular issue. But... We do know there is this concept of having a star, having a document. Basically, you can have a case where a person says that there was, a, there was a loan which took place between person A and person B, and we have two witnesses, and you have two witnesses who sign 
on the document or if it's a sale, whatever whatever the case is. Uh, there, the rabbis require that if you bring a court, a, a document to court to Beisdin, so then how do we know that it's not forged? How do we know that the whole thing wasn't forged? How do you, how do we know? So there's concern that maybe it was forged. So there's a process called kiyum shtaros, basically validating the shtar, the document. And there's different ways in which you could validate a document. I'll just go through some of the different ways. One way is that if the judges in the case they recognize the signatures of the witnesses, they're able to. Uh, recognize the signatures, so that's proof. Or the witnesses, they sign in front of us. Or there was already previously a, a document which is already validated in court and it has the same signatures as the current document, so then that's another way of showing how the signatures were, were correct, that it's uh, it's not a forgery. Or our case in our Mishnah is a case where the witnesses themselves, they come to court and they say, this was our signature. This was our signature, but without some form of of proof that this is their signature. So then, uh, we question whether or not it was a valid document. Maybe it was a forgery. So our mission is: we'll be discussing a case where the witnesses themselves come and they say that this is our signature. Okay. So the mission says as follows: So they say, let's say it's a case of a loan or a sale. They say this was our signature. So we will see in the Gemara. If you stop right there, once they say that this is our signature, that they signed, so there's a very strong, uh, either a strong assumption or or what's referred to as an anansadi, it's like a, a proof, something that we all know, that once witnesses sign on the document, the document itself, once we know that they signed on the document, is also proving that everything was done correctly. Everything, because it, it, if you're the one who's Lending out the money, you're going to make sure that you get the proper witnesses, that everything done is done properly. Once we know that the signature, that the witnesses actually signed on the document, that it's not a forgery, so then the document itself sort of tells us that everything that happened is true. So if you sort of stop there at their at their testimony where they say this is our handwriting, then that's good enough, and the loan took place, the sale took place, whatever it was that they're testifying about took place. But the witnesses then qualify their statement and they say however even though we signed but there's a certain problem on the document either we were forced to sign and we'll see in the Gemara what does it mean that they were forced to sign why were they forced to sign but they were forced to sign and therefore it's not a good document or we were minors when we signed the document and therefore it's not a good document or or we were unfit to testify and so therefore it wasn't a good document they are they are believed, they are believed, and and it seems to be that the reason why they're believed, even though once they sign, if they're signing, they're basically saying that everything is fine. There's sort of an anansadi. There's a, there's an, a, a a very very strong assumption or proof perhaps that everything was done properly and correctly because they would want it to be done properly. Uh, but now they're coming along and they're saying that there was a problem here. Either we were disqualified. Uh, because we were uh, unfit to testify, we we had some problem, whatever the reason is, or we let's say let's say they were relatives, that would be a reason to disqualify them, or they were minors, or they were forced into signing. We still believe them because it's only because of their testimony is that do we even know that the document is not a forgery? So based on the concept of peshasar, since it's based on their word alone, so then they're able to qualify their statement and to say, but you should know. It's not a good document. It's really, even though we signed, and generally just signature alone, 
is good enough for us, but they qualify it by saying that you should know at the time we weren't uh, we weren't uh, able to testify, either we were relatives or we were a minors at the time, and so therefore we believe them with their statement. However, however, if any of the other forms of 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 proof that this is not a forged document already existed, meaning let's say there were other witnesses who who come and prove that this was their handwriting. Or we had a, a, a document that was already in court that was signed by them and we compared the two documents. So then they're not believed because they're not, they're not believed. And we say that uh, when they signed, uh, they were basically telling us that everything was done, done right and properly uh, and that they were uh, adults and they were uh, not, not relatives. So when they come along and they say that we were relatives – well, you're going against the, the power and of this document, that this document is sort of telling us and testifying to us that everything was done properly, which is in itself an interesting concept of uh, the, the role that the shtar, that the, that the document plays. We'll see a line in the Gemara momentarily that uh, when we have witnesses who sign on a document, it's as if they are testifying in court about what's being said, that... Uh, the, the, the document itself is testifying that everything is true. And so when the witnesses themselves come and say, it's not true, we were disqualified, so they, they are going up against what the document itself is telling us and, and testifying to us. And so therefore they're not believed. They themselves are not believed. Okay, that is the Mishnah. We're going to have in the Gemara two very different ways of understanding the Mishnah. Two very different ways of understanding the Mishnah, um, each with its own... Uh, uh, unique ideas and uh, uh, novel approaches. Um, and we'll see these two different ideas. It's going to suggest one way, the Gemara will then reject it, and then it's going to suggest a second and final way of reading this Mishnah. So, Amar Rami Barachama. Rami Barachama says, Lo shanu, ela sh'amru anusma inu machmas mamav. Aval anusma inu machmas nefashos. Rami Barachama says as follows, just to review in the Mishnah. Rami Barachama says that in the beginning, in the first line of the Mishnah, where the witnesses themselves are saying uh, that this was our handwriting, but we were disqualified for whatever reason, we were relatives or we were minors at the time, or we were coerced into it. What's the case of where they were coerced into it? It's even a case where they were forced to do it, uh, not because they were trying to save their lives, but they were basically forced into it um, due to the, a threat to their to their finances. It was a financial concern, and if it's a financial concern, they were really not supposed to sign. They were really not supposed to sign, but yet we will still believe them. Meaning, and there, there is a concept that a person is not believed to say that they did something wrong, that they are that they did something wrong. We don't believe somebody when they when they testify that they did something wrong here. They did something wrong. What did they do wrong? They, they're saying they signed the document when they were forced to do so due to financial concerns. Well, that's not a reason to sign a document. It's not a reason to sign a document. But we'll still believe them. Why will we believe them? We don't believe them when they testify about this. That They're not allowed to uh, incriminate themselves to say that they signed falsely. So the answer is, is that that's true when it comes to testimony. But over here, they're being believed not just because of testimony, but because of the Pesha Asar. We have to believe them because it's only through them that they told uh, they told us that the signatures are are true and accurate. So then we have to believe them completely, and therefore we'll believe them even to say that they signed, even though they weren't supposed to sign. 
and uh, they're basically saying that they, they signed falsely, uh, in the sense that they were they weren't supposed they weren't supposed to sign. So we'll believe them for that uh, in in the in the first part of the Mishnah, and in the second part of the Mishnah, when it said that we don't believe them, the idea is that we don't believe them when they say that they were forced into it uh, for. Uh, for financial reasons, then we won't believe them because there's no longer a Pesha Aser. It's coming. We already know about uh, the fact that the, the document is accurate from some other source. However, we will still believe them. This is also a very interesting point. We'll still believe them when they say that they were forced into it under duress because of the, their, their lives were being threatened. Their lives were being threatened. And as a result of that, because their lives are being threatened, so therefore we will in fact believe them. We'll believe them and we'll say, oh, Okay, uh, at least at this stage of the Gemara, even though we have a source from elsewhere that the document is not forged and it's accurate and it's basically telling us also that everything was done properly, but if they come along and they come and testify again and they say, nope, but we were forced into it because they were threatening our lives, they put a gun to our heads, so then in that case, we will believe them. We will only not believe them when they make the claim that uh, that they that they signed falsely because uh, due to financial financial considerations. But if they're signing, they're telling us that they signed uh, and they were forced into it because there was a gun put to their head, so then we will in fact believe them, even though the document itself is sort of testifying that everything was done properly, they have the ability, at least at this stage of the Gemara, they have the ability to override their testimony, their original testimony. When they signed the document, the document tells us that these are good witnesses, that they that everything was done properly. They then come to court and they say, it's not true. We were forced into it. A gun was put to our heads. So even though it's undermining the original testimony of the document, that itself is believed, even though they're sort of giving a second testimony. So the Gemara explains, Amr le Rava, kol Rava says, do they even have, do the witnesses have the power to do this? Do the witnesses have the power to essentially say that what uh, what the document says, which everything was fine and, and everything was proper, for them to go along and say that we were forced into it because the gun was put to our head, but came into get you There's a general concept that when witnesses testify, they cannot back out of their testimony. They can't back out. Of, this is a general rule. When they testify, let's say, forget about it in the document, it, verbally, when they come to court and they testify, they cannot back out. It's a rule. They're not allowed to back out. It's based on Xeris Hakasav. It's based on a line found in the Torah. And the drasha, an inference from a line found in the Torah, that they're not allowed to uh, to to change their testimony. So how could they change their testimony here? Asks Rava. So the Gemara asks, well, maybe you might have thought that they only can't undo their original testimony when they were originally verbalizing their testimony. They came to court and uh, they orally gave testimony. So then they cannot. Go back on that. But maybe if they write something in a document, they could go back on what the document says. The document is basically saying everything was done properly based on a, a very strong assumption. No, maybe they could come to court and say, you should know, it's not true. We were forced into it because the gun was put to our head, uh, to, to our head and so therefore we were forced into it. So the Gemara says, no, you can't say that. You can't say that. Even, even, when, even if you wrote it down, your testimony that you wrote down, that you can't back out of either because Rish Lachish says, the principle that we said earlier, that... Uh, when witnesses sign a document, it says if they are giving oral testimony in court itself. It's very strong. When you sign a document, it is, it is a, the, of the highest levels of, of, of proof and of testimony. It's as if you're saying it in court. So even if you write it down, you cannot, you cannot back out. 
So the, that was the so that was the original understanding of the Mishnah, i.e., in the beginning, uh, the point of the Pesha Asar is to tell us that um, we'll believe you even though you are saying that you did something wrong, and the fact that you signed for financial considerations falsely, you signed falsely for financial considerations, we'll still believe you even though in general we won't believe somebody when they when they said that they did something wrong. Um, that was the original that was the original way of reading the Mishnah uh, for the first part of the Mishnah. The second part of the Mishnah was telling you that. The, 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 the witnesses have the right to change their testimony, even though it was already, the document was already, um, verified in court, they have the ability to change it. The Gemara asks, no, they don't have the ability to change it, even if it's a, even if it's a document. So rather, now a second way, different second way of understanding the Mishnah is, Eliki Itmar, Arisha Itmar. Really, Rami Barachama is saying as follows. Hare Iluna Amanim. Amar Rami Barachama, Loshanu Elisha Amra Anusumayinu Machmas Nafashos. Essentially as follows. Uh, the, the Mishnah is to be read as follows. The, there's, a, there's the first part of the Mishnah and the second part of the Mishnah. The first part of the Mishnah is a case where the witnesses themselves are the ones who verify their signatures. And they're saying, but we were also forced into it. We were coerced into it. So what, what, what's the case where we apply the Peshasar? It's not in a case where they say that they were coerced into it because for financial reasons. They do not have the ability to make themselves into Rishayim and to make themselves into people who did the wrong thing uh, in, in signing falsely. They don't have the ability, they don't have the power to say that. We will not believe them. Uh, what's the idea that we don't believe them to make such testimony, to, to, to testify that, uh, that, they, that they signed falsely? Uh, perhaps because we don't, we're not... We don't have the right to, to say that because we're not in control of our own of our own bodies. It was given to God uh, that, that uh, for who we are. We don't we don't have the ability to uh, in court to to define ourselves as rishaim as people who have done the wrong thing. We won't believe that as as a court. We won't we won't believe what you say about yourself. You don't have the ability to do that to say that about yourself. Uh, so you don't have the ability to do that. So even in the in the first case where we said that you are believed. Uh, because of the Peshasar, it's not. It's the exact opposite of the first read. It's not talking about a case where you said that you were forced into it for financial reasons. Rather, you're only believed in the first in the first case of the Mishnah where it's based on your own testimony that you validate the document to say that we validate the document, we signed on it, but we were forced into it because our, our lives were being threatened. A gun was being put to our heads, and we were forced into it. Because and for that you're allowed to you're allowed to give up your uh, you're allowed to uh, violate the Torah for that. Uh, um, you, we would rather we say stay stay alive and sign the document, sign it falsely. Um, and so for that, for that we'll believe you. However, in the second case where we say that we don't believe you, in the second case we don't believe you because let's say the document was verified by somebody else, by some other uh, source. So then, for you to come along and say that you should know we signed on it, but we were forced into it because uh, because our lives are being threatened. In that case, you're not believed. You're not believed because of what we just said before. Because you don't have the ability, once it's already verified from some other source, it's as if the document is saying everything was done properly. You've already testified about that. There's a concept. That once you already testified and the document is sort of testifying that what you did was right and accurate, you don't have that ability to override that. You, the witnesses, you cannot come along in court and override that. Once you already testified through the document, you cannot say, but we were forced into it. 
We were forced into it. Our, our lives were in danger. We were forced. You don't have the ability to do that because the document has already been verified. And it's as if the document itself is testifying that everything that was done was done uh, correctly. Um, and so, therefore, you don't you don't have the ability to testify that. It's it's uh, it's the exact. It's sort of the opposite of what of what we originally thought in the first in the first read of the Mishnah, the first approach of the Mishnah. Either way, there's some very important. Uh, concepts and ideas that come out of this Gemara. Um, number one is that when a, when a witness is testified, they don't have the ability to back out of it. Number two is that witnesses can never testify about themselves doing something wrong, that they, they do something wrong. They cannot testify about that. In other Mesim Atma Russia, a person can't make themselves into Russia. And number three is that we apply this concept of Pesha Asar, not just with regards to the litigants, but also with regards to the witnesses. Okay, we have a few more lines on Yilchesim Bez and 18b, but we'll stop here because it's really connected to the next to- the next uh, topic uh, for the next week's stuff. Uh, but this completes Yilchesim Bez, and we'll continue with the next stuff in next week's recording.